Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Sunday. I'm going to get right into the podcast today. Tongue ties in newborns. What fun. (laughs) It might be. It might be fun to talk about this. Giving credit to my apprentice, Sam, for asking me to do this. It's been a long time coming because I have a similar conversation a lot of the time with the clients I work with who have their new babies. And I thought I'd just put it all here. And maybe it's something that other pregnant women will want to listen to before they even have a baby. So they're kind of primed for this idea of tongue ties and tongue tie revisions, which is definitely a sign of the times. I hear this all of the time, and I'm sure I'm not alone. If you're with a new baby, you've probably already been told your baby has a tongue tie. If you're a midwife, you'll probably say, I see tongue ties all the time. We're all hearing it all of the time. And my goal on this podcast is not to necessarily dispute that. I think It is what it is, but to talk about making choices and to just give a little bit more information so that especially women out there who are holding that brand new baby and feeling just really scared and confused can just take a breath and hear me talk about tongue ties before they make a choice. (laughs) That's the idea. My goal also has always been on this podcast to question routine. So I don't doubt a podcast like this will also anger a lot of people as things like this do. It's very controversial somehow what's going on in babies' mouths. And there will be people that want to say, oh, that's terrible or oh, that's horrible or oh, there's no risk on both sides of the coin. And I'm not really interested in the debate. I just want to share what I know in my own experience. And please, please, please do what's right for you. Routine is a passion of mine, however, and I guess I mean routine in quotation marks because there's so many things that Google wants to tell you, that books want to tell you, that people want to tell you when you're pregnant and birthing and mothering that you must do. And this is one of those things. So again, shining a light on the routine of tongue ties and tongue tie revisions so that people can maybe clear the dust, so to speak, and pick for themselves. Basic knowledge here. What is a tongue tie? So we have this thing called a frenulum. That's that tiny little string, right, that connects your tongue to the bottom of your mouth. Go check it out. While you're at it, you can also look between your teeth, between your front teeth, If you're an adult, you're probably not going to see too much. But if you have a baby in front of you, or even a baby with teeth, a toddler, 
You might notice that the frenulum, the little strip of skin where the teeth are separated between the two front teeth, is also very thick. So that's another frenulum. There are frenulae, I think that's the plural, all over the place in our mouths, and we can have them be tight. So this little string under the tongue that connects to the bottoms of our mouths can be quite tight. And in theory, that can cause a host of issues for a newborn baby whose primary way of getting nourishment and nutrition is by sucking. The tongue is used for sucking. So it is very important that the tongue be operating normally and have enough movement. And that goes for the entire structure of the mouth. So a tongue tie is very specific because it's the frenulum that is too tight, allegedly, or too short or too thick or or something like that, causing restriction underneath the tongue. And then we have other kinds of ties, as I've tried to explain. So the one between the front two front teeth on top, that's a lip tie. And sometimes babies have ties or or tight fibrous sort of tissue, even between their mouth and cheeks, if you can believe that. So there's different kinds of ties. And tongue tie kind of is the catch-all name for all of those places of possible tightness. If you were to investigate this a little bit, you would see that there are different ways of describing how tight, how short, these frenulae are in certain places. You can look in books or online, but the tongue tie classifications are from one to four. And tongue ties can also be classified as anterior. So where we can see them kind of in the front of the mouth to posterior, which can be harder to spot. I am not a tongue tie expert, so I can't offer many more stories around that, around the classification. Um, I know what I know from being a midwife and the training I've had, but I'm not someone that specializes in this. I'm not a dentist. I'm not any other person that really gets in there and gets all the detail, usually before performing a revision, which is a way of separating the frenulum. So it can be cut with a knife or a scissor more accurately, or a laser. So a revision means that the frenulum is going to be cut and released, which again, in theory, would make it way easier to move the tongue. So we're going to talk about some of these things. Because I always mention my own experience, just so you know where I'm coming from, I will definitely do that. When I was a midwifery apprentice, however many years ago, this was not a thing, at least that I was aware of as a student. And that was, let's think, uh, 17 years ago. I do remember just one, just one baby in, you know, hundreds, really, that my preceptor midwife felt had a tongue tie. And I don't remember the details of the case other than it was a first baby. My memory is such that I want to say the baby maybe wasn't nursing as well. I'm not sure. But anyway, the midwife looked in the baby's mouth and was like, oh, well, that makes sense. You have a really tight frenulum under your tongue. That's probably why you're not nursing well. And with the mom's permission, I remember her snipping it with her scissors. And I don't remember anything else. I mean, it was fine. I'm sure it bled a little. 
And I remember her saying to me that back in the olden days, like the real olden days, sometimes midwives would even just kind of pinch the frenulum if they felt it was too tight with their own fingernails. So I don't think people are doing that these days. I don't think people are even really snipping with scissors, but that was what happened. And it was a very rare thing. And I remember thinking, wow, that's odd, but okay. It all seemed to work out fine. And that was that. And honestly, I didn't think about it until more recently, I'd say the last five to seven years, it seems like more babies are having breastfeeding problems. And when we go to look, even as someone that's not an expert, I've certainly been able to identify what does look like restriction in almost every baby's mouth. So in my own practice, even my own children, I would say it does appear that there are ties in nearly every baby's mouth. And specifically, the lip tie seems to be very prominent. So that frenulum there is like super thick and really kind of fibrous. And I know for my own children, they don't have any problems. They haven't had any problems. And the list is long if you want to look into what those alleged problems can be. Um, But mine haven't had any. But when they are young, like Rumi, he has his two front teeth. Uh, He has a really cute little gap. And the gap is because that frenulum is so thick. So I remember hearing, again, kind of olden day stuff that there have always been the occasional baby that had a tight frenulum, whether it was under the tongue or a lip tie. And that nature's remedy really has always been when the kid gets old enough to climb or walk or run, eventually they will fall. They will hit their faces on something and snap. The frenulum will release and it will bleed quite a bit. And that's that. Um, So, you know, that was maybe just a fun anecdotal story. But I think makes sense to me that in days past, this wasn't a pathology. It was just something that some kids had and nature would take care of it. It's not that way anymore. If we're talking about every single baby seems to have one. And now we're getting into an industry built around this thing going on. So that's my own history. Like I said, my own kids, once I knew to recognize Uh, lip tie, for example. I noticed they all had them, but again, haven't noticed any problem. They all nursed well. They all gained well. I don't have anything else to say about it. So for me personally, it was on my radar at a certain point that, oh, yes, my baby has this thing seemingly going on. But again, for me personally, it was never an option on the table to revise the tie in any which way because it wasn't causing a problem. And I'll definitely talk more about that. That's not everyone's experience, and we will talk about that. But it is interesting that it looks like uh, this is the case for most babies that I see anyway, and there are some theories on that. So the question is, is this lip tie, tongue tie thing overdiagnosed? It's a great question. Like, are we overdiagnosing it, or is it real, or right? Are we making a problem? I don't know that I have the answer. In the mainstream world, however, if lactation consultants are involved usually or someone needs help with breastfeeding even in the hospital, it seems like in many parts of this country, 
tongue ties are recognized by somebody. And the recommendation is to revise it before there's necessarily signs or symptoms of a problem. That's been my experience here and what I've heard from other birth workers and other doulas that are more in the mainstream culture of birth, that this is seen as a thing and it's generally become a routine procedure. This is a problem from my perspective, and I think it should be considered a problem, not the tongue tie, but this idea that we are doing this to all babies. We should question every routine procedure, especially in pregnancy and birth, because not only are we potentially harming the individual baby, but we are altering kind of like the bigger picture. And I think that's definitely something to think about. So before you go just revise it with not a lot of information or soul searching around it, I would really recommend that people do that, do the soul searching, do all of it before deciding to do this routine procedure, especially if you're not actually having problems. I know that many mothers are not supported in this decision making process. I've seen it in the midwifery circles as well. There are many midwives that feel very strongly about every tongue tie being revised. They don't want to deal with the potential signs or symptoms. They don't want to deal with breastfeeding problems. It's just routine. Um, down to, I've actually known midwives that will do it themselves in whatever which way. Uh, I can think of one midwife a long time ago that I knew. Well, it wasn't that long ago, but in Arizona, who had a practice also revising tongue ties, if you can believe it. So these things aren't incompatible, midwifery and this idea. Sometimes they're really aligned. And that might be fine for some women. But I feel like my job as a midwife is to remain less attached, haha, bad pun there, less attached to it needing to go a certain way for any decision. So I don't support tongue ties. I don't not support them. I really support the mother's choice to do what she feels is best for her baby rather than bullying her into it, making her fear it, giving her a laundry list of bad things that could go wrong if she does do it or doesn't do it. That's really not helpful, especially for a postpartum mother. Again, remember, we're talking about a woman who has just had a baby and her emotions are all over and her hormones are all over. And she probably hasn't been sleeping that well. It's a really hard choice to make when you're hurting or sleep deprived or both. So let's remember that when we're counseling postpartum women on this topic and really support them in a loving way and give them space and options. This is not a do or die kind of procedure in any case. It is touted as the magical pill or solution in many places, in many circumstances. And again, there's always the disclaimer, people that are going to say, but, 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 sure, you're entitled to your story, your experience. I'm talking about the bigger picture. The bigger picture is that tongue ties are an epidemic. They are probably overdiagnosed. And most women, if they're not educated, if they haven't received options, are doing this routine procedure. And I definitely have a problem with that because... It doesn't leave our babies as nature intended, and babies can't talk for themselves. So I do think it is worth us thinking about anything 
that's touted as a magical solution. And I have heard that. I have heard that and I will stand by that. I have heard so many people, whether, you know, they're expert lactation consultants to whoever saying, absolutely, this is what you need to do. And I don't think it's hardly ever our place to say that because we really don't know. And there are so many stories out there that I've heard of women that have chosen revision and they have done that wisely and, you know, consciously. And it hasn't really been the magic pill. And they will say that they'll say, you know, we did it. Uh, I don't know, it maybe worked. I mean, it wasn't like night and day or anything. Although I'm sure you'll find that rare person too. There are specialists who do this revision, whether it's well, it's usually by laser is my understanding, when it's kind of a specialty. And um, obviously, there's money involved and insurance, and it's become a thing. So again, my perspective is always to remind us as a culture to kind of put our flags up, our red flags up when something becomes a thing. I think that's just the natural way, I think. You know, if it was just a mom and baby here or there that needed anything, it wouldn't become a profession. Um, It wouldn't become something that everyone needs and lots of people start being trained in. I think that's disturbing for whatever reason. I'm disturbed by that. (laughs) I don't like the thought of releasing tongue ties becoming just so normal that it's like, I don't even know what it's like. Uh, Well, I could say vaccinations for kids for some people, but of course, that's not my world. Um, But yeah, just a normal thing that everyone does at some point soon. You have a baby, you just go get its tongue cut. I don't know. I don't like the idea. I think there's so much more to it. Here's my problem, and this is my opinion, of course, but it is based on experience. Uh, When we choose to possibly revise a tongue tie, so cut the frenulum in any place or places, it is still invasive. I don't care what people say. I don't care if people say, oh, it's just a tongue. Oh, it's just an outpatient. Oh, it's right. It's right here at my dentist's office. Oh, I'm right here with the baby. Um, Oh, it doesn't bleed that much. Oh, it probably doesn't hurt that much. Oh, the baby nursed after. Okay, great. But it's still invasive. It still is, especially for moms and babies that have been at home. They have to leave the house. They have to get in the car. All of it is a really big deal. And I have heard that from moms, again, even that really wanted to do it. They weren't forced. They felt like this was a great thing for them still. It's still a big deal. It's still somewhat traumatic to pass over your newborn baby, even for a couple of minutes, and to hear them cry. I mean, it just is. I don't know how any mother could honestly feel differently, even though it's not a life-threatening procedure at all. It's still invasive. It still interrupts the mama-baby bond. It does. Anytime your baby leaves your arms, my feeling is it had better be for really good reason. And this might be your reason, But again, I think more mainstream women are just under this impression that it's something they have to do. And again, it's just creating another way of separation. We don't need to separate mom and baby hardly ever. So again, just really, really using our own mama senses, our own sense of our baby and what's needed to decide if something like this is. The problem is often there's a breastfeeding problem. It's not really a tongue tie problem. It's not really a lip tie. It's a breastfeeding problem, which I'll talk just briefly about. 
And a mom that's having breastfeeding problems, the last thing that I would ever advise her to do is to leave her house, put clothes on, put her baby in a car, and then have her baby have a medical procedure that's going to leave the baby probably sore and unhappy. That is one of the worst things for breastfeeding problems. So again, benefits and risks. It is still something that creates stress and a mama who may feel even more disconnected from her baby, like she doesn't know what is best. And that, if I had to like highlight something that really bothered me about this routine issue, is that it's this idea that our babies are born imperfectly. Now, I'm not saying things haven't maybe changed. I think there's a reason. So to label our baby as, you know, imperfect, oh, she has this thing, oh, there's something wrong. And that mama, especially if it's her first baby, to feel just so incompetent, frankly, as a mother. And maybe not every mother feels that way, but a mom that's having breastfeeding problems probably is having some self-doubt. She's probably feeling guilty and maybe some shame or maybe just exhausted and done and frustrated. So again, you've already got a mom who potentially is emotionally raw and is now going to you know, feel even more raw and even more like, what am I doing? You know, I don't know how to parent a baby. And that to me is the saddest part of issues like this, uh, when it becomes so normal that we forget that moms really need all the encouragement. They need their babies on their skin. You know, there's so many just basics that we forget when we feel like, oh, well, this thing is needed. It's medically indicated. All of the physiology seems to go out the window unpopular beliefs there, but I'll stand by them. Okay, let's get into why a baby might have a tongue tie or why many of them do. Now, these are just some possible ideas. There are more and I'm sure you'll find them. One is just misalignment. So um, I am giving one of our students from our Indie Birth Midwifery School credit here, Maria. Thank you, Maria, for posting uh, a little while ago a YouTube video from Allison Hazelbacker, who's a IBCLC, I believe, so a lactation expert. And in this little talk, um, this woman was speaking about how tongue ties are overdiagnosed, excuse me, they are overdiagnosed, and she believes that a lot of them are misidentified, basically. So, you know, someone like me even looks at it and says, oh, that's a tongue tie. And she's saying that they're actually indicative of a misalignment of the baby's structure. So something looks like a tongue tie, but it's not actually a tongue tie. And that the incidence of actual tongue ties has not gone up. I found this fascinating. So thanks again, Maria, for posting. So other misalignments of the baby's structure, and she talks about it in this video, um, torticollis, which is like when the baby kind of like gets its neck tweaked to one side or the other, Um, or plagiocephaly, which is that flat head. Have you ever seen a baby with this? Maybe they sit in the car seat too much or, you know, there's obviously other reasons and they come back to misalignment. So something was going on with this baby, even in utero. We're not quite sure. That's a huge topic. Uh, something was going on with this baby. Things are not aligned properly and the tongue is being pulled into the throat more, but it's not actually a tie. I find that fascinating and I was so grateful to learn that. 
However, it really reaffirms one of my primary thoughts around this issue, which is body work. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. So, but that's one of the whys is that maybe it's not even, or maybe it is a tongue tie, but that the baby actually is just sort of messed up, misaligned for whatever reason. Um, You know, and again, we get into birth practices there and maybe the baby was born by vacuum or maybe it was a breech baby. Like there are a lot of just normal sort of reasons why a baby might be born with a misalignment in his spine and, you know, up into the neck and all of that. Another possible idea, the whole midline defect. So we have folic acid, we have folate, we have this MTHFR genetic mutation that a lot of women, that a lot of people allegedly have. And these are causing defects that go down the center of the body, a tongue tie perhaps being one of them. GMOs, another theory from I think a long while back. I don't necessarily have any... uh, research on that. But I think it makes sense as well. Our environment is changing, our food is changing, our soil is changing. And there's a lot of shit out there from pollution in the sky to, you know, environmental toxins and everything. So I I can't pretend to know. And it's not a positive, happy thought. But humans and our evolution are changing for the better or for the worse. And it could be that one of these things that multiple multiples of these things is definitely affecting our physiology and the way we are forming inside of our mother's bodies. Certain racial groups. And again, normal evolution. So normal is really maybe not the best word there, but evolution does happen. Humans do change based on their environment and what they're exposed to. So again, I'm not saying that's good and I don't have the solution to it. I'm just saying that things are changing and that I do believe our bodies, our baby's bodies are in response to that. So uh, that's a rabbit hole for sure. But again, it does bring into question if really just cutting a piece of our bodies is the answer, right? So if we're going through a process as human beings, we're evolving because of this or that, uh, has it ever been successful? I mean, will it ever be successful in the long term to just like cut something? That is such a Western allopathic view of the world. If we don't like something, if it's not working, if we think it's a problem, right, we just cut it out. And many people don't think like that. Many people having home births don't think like that. So again, it's kind of a conflict there when you get up against this tongue tie issue, if you're one of those people. Is it a problem? That's the best question of all. And that's the one I can't answer for you. So I hope that if you're sitting there with your baby, you've been told your baby has a tongue tie or two, that you can accurately discern if it's a problem. That might be the hardest part, but that's where support is good. Information can be good. But of course, it's hard to say. And it's very individual. It does feel like, again, there's lots of laundry myth kind of lists out there around problem from you know, things that could happen 10 years down the road. Uh, Excuse me, but I don't think that's a problem right now for this newborn baby. So if you're looking at that kind of thing, oh, 10 years down the road, or they might not talk correctly or whatever. No, just focus on right now. 
is anything happening right now? Are there breastfeeding problems? Um, you know, can the baby not latch on properly and and you've gone to other extent to figure out the other reasons for that? Um, are your nipples damaged and bleeding again because of a bad latch? Do you have a supply problem that seems to be related to the way the baby's pulling in milk? Is the baby not gaining weight accurately or enough because of, again, the amount and way the baby is able to pull in milk? Does the baby have extreme digestive issues that seem to be related to perhaps gulping air or, again, not pulling in enough milk? These are potential signs that a tongue tie is the problem. But again, um, the list of things far off into the future to me is not worth thinking about right now. I did know of one woman that got a tongue tie revised when her kid was two years old. And I don't remember feeling like that made any sense to me because there was no indication. But if I am correct in my memory, it was because this woman had read ahead in that way, like, oh, this will happen and that will happen. And if they have a tongue tie, you know, they won't be functional humans, basically, which is how it's phrased in some places. And this mom thought, oh, man, like, I really did something wrong, even though I've had no problems, even though I don't have any nursing problems, and I haven't for two years. Oh, wow, look at this list of horrible things that could happen because my baby or my kid has a tongue tie. So she got it revised. And if I remember correctly, it made absolutely no difference, of course. And it was really, really traumatic and difficult because if you do choose to get a revision, you'd want the skin to not grow back, right? That would be horrible to have to do it again. So there's all kinds of exercises and stretching and that to make sure that the frenulum doesn't re-adhere. So again, I'm just kind of... uh, Yeah, both sides of the coin there. Actual problems in the moment, signs and symptoms of a problem that may be related to tongue ties. And then, yeah, this far off 10 years down the road scenario. I actually knew an adult once that got a tongue tie release as well. And I think he was the father of a baby that, you know, I had helped and the baby needed one or they decided to do a tongue tie revision for all kinds of breastfeeding problems. And they kind of went down that rabbit hole of, wow, if you revise your tongue tie, even if you're an adult, you'll just be a better human. You'll just, all your problems will disappear, is how it's phrased in some places. And he did. And it made absolutely no difference. So I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there that will say it does. I just think things are more complicated than that. And maybe, maybe I have the complicated view. But of course, there's the not just physical, but emotional, spiritual, mental, all of that, when we have things going on that I think, for me, I'd rather look at than just snipping. But that's me. So again, um, you know, the things that can pop up when there is a breastfeeding problem. And I already went through that list. But, uh, you know, just to kind of review like the latch issues, the baby not gaining weight, nipple stuff, um, all of that is really hard. And it's not ideal. And we do want to fix it. I'm not saying we don't. A baby that isn't gaining weight or a supply that's really low and the mom's not able to produce milk, yes, we want to help her. We want to fix it. But we can't say if it's really going to be helped by the tongue tie revision. So again, the mother needs to come to that or consider that on her own while I think, of course, trying all the other things. And you know, most women will if they have the support and the resources. They're going to try other things too. I do think in general that breastfeeding has become harder 
over the decades as I've seen it anyway, even for women at home. And I don't quite know what that's about. I think that's a podcast for another day. But I do see that. And I do see that we're needing more tools and tricks and that kind of thing for just average women, average healthy women. I do have a podcast out there already that I'd love for you to listen to if you want to know more about optimal breastfeeding, because I'm not going to go into all that today. It is called All the Things That Create Optimal Breastfeeding by yours truly. And that was a really good podcast, I think, for doulas, for parents to understand before they're sitting there with a baby, all of the things that do affect breastfeeding. Because so many of the things I just mentioned on the signs and symptoms list, like damaged nipples, um, you know, there's more than one answer is what I'm saying. There's more than one answer. There's more than one way to look at all of it. And getting a tongue tie release is just one thing to try. There's a lot of other things to think about from the way we birth to our first hour postpartum and all of the other things I talk about in that podcast. Ultimately, I think one thing we can all be in agreement on if we're on different sides of this issue is how can we help the baby nurse better and not be as restricted? That's my goal too. If a parent, again, chooses a tongue tie revision, that's on them. But there are other ways to help a baby nurse better and not be as restricted almost always. Body work, body work, body work, body work. And by that, I mean baby massage, baby chiropractic, and craniosacral, among probably other ideas, even down to energy work. Uh, Babies come in with things. And I don't think that speaks to a baby being born damaged or imperfectly, as I said earlier. I believe we are born as perfect as nature intended, but yet there are things that happen even in a normal birth. Like I said, some babies are experiencing misalignment and scrunching, for lack of a better word, even in utero. And that's due to maybe things we're doing as the moms, right? Like positions we're in or our own body tightness. There's all kinds of reasons and ways that a baby can kind of be jammed in there and then, you know, have to figure things out in their neck or or in their spine when they're born. Not to mention the birthing process, even though birth is usually just normal and simple, a baby still goes through an event. There is still a lot of pressure put on the head, on the neck, on the spine. And most babies I see, even born at home gently, could use a chiropractic adjustment. I have recommended that to literally everyone for decades. My kids were all lucky enough, um, except for Amelia, who was born in the hospital. And I had never seen a chiropractor at that point in my life. All the other children I have, all nine of them after her, have been adjusted within the hours after birth. And I feel so grateful for that. And I think it could also be why I've not experienced problems with tongue and lip ties. So body work goes a long way. I would recommend getting a hold of a chiropractor that does pediatrics in your pregnancy. I would not wait. I would make an appointment. I would get adjusted if I was a pregnant woman, for sure, if that feels good and you find someone that works well on pregnant women, uh, do that in your pregnancy. Then you have that relationship. You have that person that will probably visit you at your house if it's the right kind of chiropractor. And getting a baby adjusted in the first hours after birth really works miracles. 
again, even normal healthy babies sometimes come out of the womb and they favor one breast. That's a really common thing for a newborn to do. Is that normal? Probably not, but it is common. So something like a chiropractic adjustment or again, a craniosacral therapist, anybody that works on the neck, the skull, um, all of that intricately uh, is really, really helpful and really worth absolutely every single penny and maybe a trip in the car. Although I don't say that lightly. I think getting in your car after birth, again, is an intervention, but it might be one well spent in this case. I can think of a client a few years ago who had her fourth baby. And this baby had what looked like, again, I'm just saying looked like, significant ties. This baby looked so severely tongue-tied that he could not really even stick his tongue out of his mouth. The tongue was kind of heart-shaped because the frenulum was kind of pulling back on the tip of the tongue. It was classic. This mom decided she wanted to try other things first. She had never had a revision with her other children. She really wasn't that interested, although I try to give as informed choice as I can. I just point out what I see, and we have kind of a similar conversation that we're having here today. So she decided that was not something she wanted to jump to, and even though it was outside of her experience, she called up a craniosacral therapist. She had never heard of one. She wasn't really even convinced that that would help or, you know, she really didn't know what they did, but she was willing to try. And she reported back. She reported back to me, I think it was maybe three visits with this craniosacral therapist and the baby was sticking his tongue out fine. He was nursing fine. She had no signs or symptoms. Now, of course, the frenulum itself hadn't changed position. It hadn't been cut. So what happened? Well, the baby was able to relax, is my guess. And this therapy that works on kind of an energetic and, of course, a physiological level was able to help the baby release tension. So again, I think if you're dealing with this issue, if you're thinking about it, if you're worried about it, it's really a nice way of summing it up in a sense to say it's about tension. It's about tension in a baby's body overall. And sometimes some of these babies are really tense just overall, like not just in their mouth, not just in their skull, uh, but their bodies are really tense. And again, I don't know. I don't know why, but what can we do to help this baby relax his body? And, you know, what other specialists can we get involved to that end? Because just snipping a frenulum isn't going to relax a body, not if there's something going on at a neurological level or an emotional or spiritual level for this baby. So even if you chose to revise the tie with a uh, revision, I still think body work and all of these therapies uh, would be a real boon to any baby and their overall health, which of course is super important. Other things to consider when you're dealing with breastfeeding issues and or something like this, um, everything I mentioned, again, I think for sure these babies are coming in powerful, but with their own experience. So if you notice your baby is really tense, maybe there's something to talk to the baby about there. Maybe there's someone else to get involved or maybe the baby wants to tell you his story about his pregnancy in your body or maybe it was a difficult birth. There's all kinds of ways that babies can try to tell us what they're feeling, what they experienced. And I think in all the ways that we can be open to listen, the better. 
again, I get that when you're the mom and you're there and you're tired and you're just kind of done with this whole thing and you feel frustrated, it seems really tempting. It seems really tempting to think there's this magical thing you could do. And it might sound ridiculous to try and hear your baby tell his birth story. But to me, there's so much more depth when the body is calling for something. And in a case of a really tense baby or a baby that can't nurse or won't nurse or is having trouble, there's something to investigate for sure. Other things that come up, I think, for women potentially around this and all breastfeeding issues are emotions, emotions around what it means to feed a baby, especially if you've never done that. And maybe you weren't prepared for that. And maybe you weren't breastfed as a baby. Uh, Breastfeeding is still something that's seen as sexual in a lot of places or sort of in a lot of people's subconscious. So breastfeeding a baby for the first time with your own issues, your own history, your own body awareness can be big. And something like this that manifests as this clinical whatever it is, right? Um, well, baby not gaining well or whatever it is, uh, can be something more deep and more in our hearts and, and souls than it is in our physiology. And you won't find a lot of people talking about that. So this is for the rare people out there that are really looking to go deep. Stress and feeling supported, of course, is part of successful breastfeeding. And again, there's so much that goes into that from birth preparation to postpartum preparation. There's so many ways that women don't even know what support is. And then they're there and they don't have it. And it's really, really scary. And again, you're isolated and exhausted. It's not the time. All we can do is help us, you know, help ourselves where we're at. And then if there's a next time, you know, we know to do better. And I know that too. I've had some really rough postpartums and the way you learn is doing better for yourself next time. Some of the other thoughts that come around this issue of restriction uh, are just that, investigating into that feeling of what does it mean to be restricted? You know, is there something that this baby is holding back? Um, are, Are we really willing to meet this baby now that they're here? They're here on earth. They need us. We are their sole uh, sustenance, right? Are we ready? Are we ready to step into the role of mother? Are we willing to look at where where we're at and and what's under there rather than listening to someone else tell us what we should do? And it might be the first time in a woman's life that she has to go there in her own head, in her own truth and say, you know, I am the mother here and this is big and I am stepping into motherhood and whoa, but I can do it. And that would be great too. Breastfeeding issues are really, really never separate from the sort of bigger picture. Although I am the first to say that, again, if a baby's not gaining, for example, um, we often do have to take physical measures, right? So we don't sit around just talking about our past lives and, um, you know, all the ways that breastfeeding is a spiritual experience when we have a baby that honestly needs milk, right? I think that's common sense. Uh, Get the baby milk, figure it out, get help, do all the things. Maybe there are things you never thought you would do, but your job is to take care of the baby. So do that. And then maybe these thoughts come later and maybe they come with another baby. Each experience really, really is perfect for us, even if it's really, really hard. 
lastly, if you're somebody that, again, is in this hot seat of needing to decide if your baby is going to get a revision, I hope you've enjoyed this information, number one. And then number two, I hope you are really, really inspired to just think for yourself what is best for your baby. Tune into your baby. Tune into yourself. Talk to your husband. um, You know, talk to your midwife. Hear what your lactation person has to say. Like, consider it all. But make the choice that's best for you and know that you can change your mind. Well, you can almost change your mind. I mean, if you do a revision, you can't really change your mind about that. But if you decide not to today, you could always decide to tomorrow. And there's something about the postpartum time that can feel really like the walls are closing in on us and we have to make a choice. And sure, if it's life or death, we do that. But when it's not, we just have to take a breath and sit there and hold our baby and um, do the best we can, make the best choices we can with as little fear as possible. Take the time to make your choice. Investigate different options. Get second opinions. That's not crazy. And again, if it's something that you're really led to do, if you feel like this absolutely is the right choice for you and your baby, you should totally do it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this tongue tie episode. Uh, I'd love if you'd check out the IndieBirthSanctuary.org, check out our new project. And as we get more information on there, help us share it. Have a great week.